0: Great. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on in establishing righteousness. This is we're in the middle of part six of six segments of this teaching. And, excuse me. This uh, subtitle for this segment is called "Behold." And I'll explain a lot of that again in just a few moments. Just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel. Lighthouse Discipleship Center. We also want to say thank you to all those who are partnering with us with their tithes and your offerings. In case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go to our give page at Discipleship.org and you can give them anywhere around the world. With all those advertisements uh, set aside, let's go ahead and jump right into our message this morning. We've been talking for the last 13, 14 weeks about being established and righteous. And as many of you have known and are following us, this, this is the main teaching I teach in this church. The revelation that God gave me back in 2009-ish, around that area, area of time, uh, God just gave me, <coughs> excuse me, a revelation of righteousness and who I am in Christ like I've never had before. It set me free from some things, and since I've taught this, it has set a lot of people free from sin, from addiction, from... Uh, sickness from all different kinds of things, uh, and walking a godly, holy, and and, 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 a, and a powerful life in Christ. And through the years, I've I've broken up this teaching into six segments. We are on the final segment now, uh, which I am entitled "Behold," because there's some because once we get a revelation of who we are in Christ, once we get a revelation of righteousness, there's something that we need to behold. The word "behold" in the Greek means to see with the mind, and there's something that we need to be to see. There's something that we need to be focused on. There's something that we need to be so permeated and saturated into that it has our it has our gaze. <coughs> Excuse me. It has our focus. It has our attention. And we view everything through that gaze, kind of like a magnifying glass. We see everything through that lens, okay, or even eyeglasses, or whatever you want to have, uh, device you want to use to describe it. There's something that we are so beholding, we are so focused on, and we see everything in life <clears throat> through that lens, okay. We see who we are, we see who other people are, the events of the world, the, the events of the church, uh, things are going on uh, around us, everything that happens I see through the lens of this concept of righteousness and who I am in Christ and what God, Christ has done for us through the finished work of the cross. The finished work of the cross being his birth, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. Okay and all that, that that accomplished for us so that we could be the righteousness of God in Him. So anyway, let's go through one of our key verses for this segment and that's from Ephesians chapter 4. We talked about this last week and we've been talking about this passage of Scripture many times throughout the series. But in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have not heard Him and been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. Church, there's something that we need to so learn. This phrase, so learned, in the Greek means to be imbued, to be permeated, to be saturated in. There is a truth, and that truth is in Jesus. That we need to so learn. That we there's a truth that's in Jesus that we need to be so saturated, so permeated, so established in. And it's this truth that we need to behold. And this truth, because the phrase ends with a colon. This truth is that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to evil lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. (coughs) There is a truth that's in Jesus that we need to so learn. And this truth that's in Jesus that we need to so learn is that we put off the old man, and in the spirit of our mind, (coughs) excuse me, in the spirit of our mind, we put on the new man. Which is created according to God and true righteousness and glorious. There's something that we need to put off, and there's something that we need to put on. We need to learn this. And this is a, this this is the truth that's in Jesus, that we put off something and put on something. And where do we do that? Is that something physical we do, like we put on a garment? <coughs> Excuse me. This truth that we Put off and put on something is done in the spirit of our mind. In verse twenty-three, so Ephesians four twenty-three. And this verse, for Ephesians four twenty-three, this concept of being renewed or renovated in your mind, and that's what the word "renewed" means in the Greek. It means to renovate in the spirit of your mind. This def- this word, this phrase, this verse is basically the definition of the word "Behold." There's something that we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. It says in Romans chapter twelve that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Transformed. Transformed is like from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Let's get the butterfly right side up, shall we? Okay? So when you when a caterpillar is turned into a butterfly, that's called metamorphosis. Okay? And so, that's the, that's what the word transform means in the Greek. That's what the transform the word transform is in the Greek. Let me rephrase that. Okay, It's like from a, ta- a tadpole to a frog. It's transformed. It's metamorphosis. And we were in the old man. We were in the old man. But we put him off. We were like a worm, the old man. We put him off and we became the new man in Christ. Like a butterfly. Okay, so we and where do we where do we put off? Where do we and, and and even if you study this phrase, "put off" in the Greek, it means to cut off. It's just like circumcision. Okay, Paul actually explains this in a little more detail in the book of Colossians where he connects uh, circumcision with baptism. Okay, we and we're gonna connect some of those dots that we get part up today uh, in, in, in our teaching, but. And we've already covered some of this in our previous segments, again, okay, in this study. But there's something that we need to, again, so learn. Because the truth that we need to learn is in Christ. And this truth is that we put off. We put off and we are transformed by the renewing of mind. That we are no longer the old man. We're no longer old man that's growing corrupt, according to C for us. <coughs> Excuse me. We're not beholding the old man anymore. We're being renewed. We're renovating the mind. And we are now a new man. Who's created according to God. And true righteousness and holiness. It's, just, it's not a mind trick. Okay. We're not, we're not just doing magical words. We're not just naming it and claiming it. This is reality. We're putting on a new man who's created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. See, true righteousness and holiness is not something you do. True righteousness and holiness is who you put on. Okay? Now, am I saying we don't live righteous and holy? No. But the only thing that can make you righteous and holy is the blood of Jesus. The only thing that can make you holy is the truth okay but now that you are righteous and holy you live righteous and holy you live like who you are you don't live like this man he's dead you put him off he's circumcised he's buried in baptism this is not who you are anymore you're not beholding the old man you are being renewed in your mind that you are the, the created according to God and true, righteous, and holy. Because now that that's who you are, you live like who you are, righteous and holy. You don't become righteous and holy and live like the devil, or live like the old man. That's not who you are anymore. That's called a hypocrite. A hypocrite is living, is being something you're not. If you are a new creation in Christ, you don't live like something you're not. And if you are not in Christ and you're trying to live holy, to become holy, that's a hypocrite too. Mm -hmm. Because you haven't received Christ, you have to receive Christ, you have to put on your new man. And from there, you live righteous and holy from the inside out, not from the outside in. Living righteous and holy from the outside in is called religion. It's it's a, a brother from a different mother. We are born of Hagar, the, the, a promise. We are not born of the bondwoman, Hagar, the law. Okay? And I'm, I'm recapping a lot what I've covered in not only this segment, but also many segments that we, we've covered in this teaching so far. Well, one of the main things I'm trying to get across in this last segment, based on everything we've taught the last 13, 14 weeks, on this tough, tough subject of righteousness, we need to start seen who we are, and we, when we start seeing who we are, we'll start living like who we are. The word repentance, metatonia, means to change the mind, or change the way you're thinking. It includes changing your behavior, but changing your behavior is the byproduct of first changing your mind. Okay? And what are you changing your mind? What are you renewing your mind? See, this, this verse, verse is also the definition of repentance. We're changing our mind. We are created according to God true righteousness and holiness. We have put off this man. We have circumcised this man. We have buried this man in baptism. And we have now put on the new man. We need to behold who we are. We need to behold. We need to be renewed, renovated in our minds that we are now the righteousness of God in Christ. And we have His holiness. We have His righteousness. Not because of what we've done, but because of what He did through the cross. And now that we are righteous, now that we are holy, we live holy. We don't live a hypocrite. We don't live like someone we're not. We live like who we are, because of what Christ did to make us righteous and holy. Living, living, It's called the fruit of righteousness. It's called the fruit of holiness. You can't have fruit until you first have the root. An apple tree doesn't become an apple tree because it produces apples. No, an apple tree produces apples because it is an apple tree. We live righteous and holy because we are righteous and holy in in Christ Jesus. (coughs) We're not righteous and holy because of something we did. We're righteous and holy because of what He did, and we accept it, we believe it, we receive it. And we became, became just, he, in Jesus and just, and justifying us who put our faith in Jesus from 3.26. We've covered that many times already in the teaching. Okay, so we're going to recap everything I shared last week, so I'm going to jump right into some new territory this morning. That we didn't cover last week, but we have covered many times already in this series. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. <coughs> Excuse me. I rebuilt this cough. All right. 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 3, the very last verse says, But we all with an faith beholding, that's the name of the section. And we're talking about, as in the mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed. I've talked about that already this morning, but I'll talk about it some more in this minute. Which is the same image, one image. The image that we put on. The image that we should be beholding in the mirror. We'll cover that in this minute. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we've already unpacked this verse many times already in this series. But I'm going to unpack it again this morning as we continue to study this concept of behold. Now, before we go too deep, it starts off by saying, Paul starts off by saying this is the conclusion of this chapter. Okay. So there's something that Paul's been saying all throughout this chapter already, that he comes to this conclusion of the chapter saying, but we all with an unveiled face. So if we if we have an unbuilt face, what's a veiled face? Well, we already covered that, but let's go. This is verse 18. Let's go backwards backwards four verses to verse 14. But their minds were blinded, for to this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. (coughs) Excuse me. So the Old Testament, in the preceding verses, even before this verse, Paul compares the ministry of condemnation and death with the ministry of righteousness and the ministry of the Spirit. He says the ministry of righteousness in His Spirit exceeds in glory the ministry of condemnation of death. Well, what's the ministry of condemnation of death? Well, Paul says it's it's it's, it was what was written on stone, and there's only one ministry that was written on stone. That's called the Ten Commandments. Okay, and so he says their minds are blinded with a veil when their Old Testament is read. Okay. The Old Testament is Christ concealed. It's a, the it's a mystery of the gospel. And the New Testament is Christ revealed. Okay, Christ us the hope of glory. Okay, because the veil is taken away in Christ. There's only one way to remove this veil. It's not by spiritual debates and arguments. It's by, it's by revealing Jesus. But even to this day when Moses was read, so in case you didn't get that, he's referring specifically to Moses, the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. A veil lies on their heart, so the Old Testament has a, has a tendency to blind your mind and blind your heart. But veil blinds the heart, okay. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, okay. And and I know a lot of our religious minds don't understand this, okay. But let's just take. Let's just put our religious minds aside, and when I say religious minds, there's a blinding. Okay? There's a legalistic mind that most of us have. All of us have a little bit of religion in us. Okay? And if you say you don't have any religion in you, well, I have. there's a veil. There's, okay? We all have a little bit. Some have a lot. Okay? Some that's all they have. Okay? But um, and I'm not trying to pick up those. Okay? The scripture is very true. Because for <coughs> for, um, unto this day we can apply that now. Unto this day the same veil remains left in the reading of the Testament. Okay? So for one church of the Lord, the veil is taken away. Okay? So this blinding the mind. But we're supposed to be um, going backwards, we're supposed to be renewing the mind. Okay, we're supposed to be renewing the mind who we are. The Old Testament doesn't reveal who you are. The Old Testament reveals you sin, you die. It's called a ministry of condemnation. It's called a ministry of death. It had glory, but the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of His Spirit, it sees much more glory. But then he gets to this point in verse 18 where we are. But we are with an unbuilt face. How did we get an unveiled face? Christ was preached. We received Christ. And that veil was taken away. So now that, now that the veil has been taken away, and how do we know if you have a veil? You can see clearer. Okay? But now that you, now that you removed the veil, there is something to behold. The veil was blinding the mind, now we need to, there's something that we need to behold with the mind. So if the veil was blinding the mind, but based on the definition of behold, to see with the mind, there's something that we need to be renewed, and there's something that we need to now see with the mind. Okay, so hopefully you follow me. We had a veil face because of the law, now that the veil has been removed because we... Turned to Christ. Now there's something we need to behold. Now there's something we need to see. We couldn't see before. We were Our mind was blinded. Remember? Our mind was blinded through the law. It was a veil. It blinded our minds. Called religion. Called legalism. It had many other names too. Okay? But now that we had been unveiled, it's only been unveiled one way, that's to receive Christ. There's something we need to behold. There's something we need to see. There's something we need to so learn. There's something that we need to be focused on. There's something that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Okay? And so, hopefully this is helping. So, now, we're beholding as in the mirror. Now, what's a mirror? <coughs> The word of God says in the Book of James that the word of God is like a mirror. Now, what's a mirror? Okay, this is a mirror. A mirror is not a window. I can't see through this. I can't look through this mirror and see you. I look when I look in this mirror. Guess who I see? I see me. Okay, it's a reflective device. It's a mirror sees whatever is looking into its image. Its own reflection is shown. It's not a mirror where I look through. It's not a stained glass window where I can't see through, I can't see myself, I can't see you. It might be beautiful, but I can't see anything but the stained glass window. okay? It's a mirror. It's a mirror. I'm supposed to be able to see my own image in mirror. Did I shave it? Did I get all the whiskers? Did, you know, some of you have acne, some zits, or whatever it might be. Some of you are putting on, your, you're painting in the barn, you're putting on some makeup. Okay, excuse me, ladies, I'm sorry, I don't mean to bend anybody. Okay, just quoting Andrew Womack. But, but there's a lot of things that we do in the mirror. We comb our hair. Some of us don't like what we see in the mirror. Some of us spend too much time in the mirror But the mirror. Okay, now I'm being a little facetious, I'm being silly right now. Okay, but I'm trying to paint a picture of what a mirror is. Well, the Bible says in the book of James that the, the Word of God is like a mirror. And so we're beholding with an unveiled face. Our face has been removed because of Christ. We're now beholding, changing, seeing with the mind, as in the mirror. What are we seeing in the mirror? The glory of the Lord. You know, when I read this back in 2009, the Lord uh, asked me a question. The day when you look in the mirror, who do you see now I thought that was a no-brainer. I don't know about you, but when I look into the mirror, or when you look into the mirror, who do you see? I mean, I don't look in the mirror and see Elmo. I don't look in the I don't look in the mirror and see uh, Superman or anything else. I look in the mirror and see me. Okay, that's not to be my thing. You're Superman. Okay, well, okay, yeah. well, 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 that might be debated. But um, when you look in the mirror, you see yourself. So when the Lord asked me, Dave, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I said, I see me. Now, I knew I had answered the question wrong when God had asked me the question again. Dave, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? Because this is what it says. Beholding as in the mirror, the glory of the Lord. And it took me several times going back and forth with God. Help me asked me the question, who do you see? And me saying, Dave. And I I, I kept reading this verse. And we look in the mirror, beholding the glory of the Lord. See, we've already talked on this. As we're talking about being established in righteousness. And one of our key verses is, He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus, as the Lamb of God, became our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. That's called the great exchange. Jesus See, that's why they had to find an unblemished lamb without spot or wrinkle. Because that unspot or wrinkle was a, was a symbol of perfection. Sinlessness. The little lamb, he was not sinless. But it was a symbol in the Old Testament of Jesus being the, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Who knew no sin. Not only did he not commit a sin, he was, he was not born from Adam. Remember the Christmas story? Where Mary, Gabriel came, the angel Gabriel came to, to Mary, and they held a whole other discussion, how she is going to be conceived with Jesus by who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it, it's a he. And those of you who need some science, it's the male that has the seed, not the woman female. And the Holy Spirit conceived seed into the womb of Mary. And she conceived and had a son named Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And this, so Sorry, I lost my train of thought. So Now, so Jesus was not born of Adam's seed. He was a whole new prototype, if you will, called the last Adam, or the second Adam. As as Peter would say, he was an incorruptible seed. Adam's seed became corrupt by sin. But Jesus, not only did not commit a sin, there was no genetic sin in in his system. Okay. He was a whole new prototype. Conceived of the Holy Spirit, the seed of the Holy Spirit, not the seed of Adam. Okay. That's why some people wondered why he had to be a virgin. Because Mary was not conceived, did not conceive with Joseph, who she was betrothed to. That came later. And Jesus would have some half brothers. Okay? And sisters. But Jesus himself. Mary was a virgin. Virgin means she doesn't have a child yet. Okay? It goes a little deeper than that, but we'll keep this uh keep this simple. Okay. But it just uh she was a virgin. And the Holy Spirit, how did that happen? The Holy Spirit's gonna have to answer that one for you. Okay. But the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and she can conceived a seed in her womb called Emmanuel. Jesus, our Redeemer. Okay? And that's a beautiful that's where the Christmas story begins. Okay. But he who knew no sin, he came to be sin for us that we might become <coughs> the righteous of God in him. So if this is true, and it is in him we are the righteousness of God. And if we are the righteousness of God in Him, then when we look into the mirror, we should see nothing but righteousness. Because what's the mirror? God's Word. If we have received Christ, How do do I know we received Christ? Well, the bell's removed. How did you remove the bell? Because you turned to the Lord. You turned to the Lord, not only is the bell removed, but now you're in Christ. You're the righteous God in Him. And so when you behold in the mirror, if you receive Christ, the Word of God, excuse me, The Word of God, that's a mirror, we're reading the Word of God, it's on the screen here, says so that we are, let's go back on the screen, we are the righteousness of God in Him. And if the Word of God says we are the righteous of God in Him, then that's what we should be open. I don't care what anyone else says if it is contrary to the Word of God, because the Word of God says, I'm the righteousness of God in Him. some of you think I'm being some of you might think I mean some righteousness. It says we that's plural. I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking about anyone who has let's go back. <coughs> turn to the Lord. If you turn to the Lord, the bow is removed. And if you get the bow is removed and you're in the Lord. You should be beholding something different. You're crucified with Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. It's no longer you who live, but it's Christ. Okay, so without fear, let me just go up two screens and get back to the same verse. So, we're beholding as a man the glory of the Lord, are being what? Transformed. We just covered this word. Like a caterpillar to a butterfly called metamorphosis. The Greek word here is metamorphoo, where we get the same word metamorphosis. We are being transformed. It's a process. We're being tra- transformed into the same image. What image? The image that we're beholding in the mirror. <coughs> Excuse me. We're beholding in the mirror of God's word that we are the righteousness of God in Him. That's what we are beholding. We're looking into the mirror of God's Word, and we are beholding. We're beholding in the mirror, as in the mirror, the glory of the Lord, that we are the righteous of God in Him. And by doing that, we are being transformed into the same image. What image? The image that we're beholding. The glory of God. it takes, I can teach this to you, but it takes the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. Okay, we're, sorry, we're just lost the connection. Bear with me real quick. Sure, why this is not working. We're getting there. There we go. We're back there, so hopefully, I don't need that there, but that's fine. Um, All Alright. Sorry about that. I'm glad I get my train of thought here. So we're beholding as a mirror, as in the mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. What image? The image that we're beholding. Because we're crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. We're beholding that we are the righteousness of God in him. We're beholding who we are. Because we have, again, going back up real quick, we are Put on, we put off the old man; we put on the new man, who's created according to God. We're being renewed in our mind, who we are, and that's who we are. That's what the, all this is saying, and we're transforming to from glory to glory. We mean from glory to glory, we're, for the glory. In context, this is 318, and three eighteen and 37 through nine. Paul had already compared the ministry of righteousness and the Spirit with the ministry of condemnation and death. And in verses 10 through 13, he says, The ministry of condemnation and death, the Old Testament, had glory. But the ministry of righteousness and the Spirit exceeds much more in glory. So we are being transformed from the glory of the Old Covenant to the glory of the New Covenant. From the glory of the ministry of condemnation and death to the glory of the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of the Spirit, by the, the Spirit of the Lord. The ministry of the Spirit is the ministry of righteousness. So we are transformed from glory to glory, from the ministry of condemnation and death, to the ministry of the Spirit, to the ministry of righteousness, by the ministry of the Spirit, by the ministry of righteousness. Because the ministry of the Spirit and the ministry of righteousness are synonymous. They're the same thing. Okay, we covered this, and we'll, we'll look at it some more in just a few minutes here, okay? Okay. Let me just uh, gather my thoughts. I need, I need to get some of my toys out of the way. Okay? So, uh, hopefully this is making sense. <coughs> okay? We we're being transformed. We we're going to say that we were created in His image. and likeness. When we sin, you know, that's what Paul, God said in Genesis 1, and 27. So God created man in His own image and likeness. <coughs> That's who we need to behold. We are now the righteous of God in Him. That's who we need to behold. Now we lost this image when we to sin. Mankind, Adam. All sin to fall short of the glory of God. Through Adam, death reigned. The ministry of death reigned, but how much more those who received His grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. We've been transformed from the ministry of death and condemnation to the ministry of righteousness in His Spirit. We were created in His image, even through Adam, but we lost that through sin, and Jesus came to die so that we can be born. Again, as a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's going to be one of those technical challenges days. So let's see if we can do this one more time. Still following my train of thought, even though we have some challenges. Again, we'll go beyond this. Okay, so hopefully, making sense. I'll tie this new creation in, in just a moment too, when we get to the more verses. I should have had it here too. Um, in my notes, but I don't, and that's fine. Um, so from glory to glory. So we understand glory to glory. So if you don't understand it, let's go. Let's go here real quick. In Second Corinthians three seven and nine, he said, he said, "The ministry of death." And he talks about the ministry of the Spirit. And he talks about the ministry of condemnation and the ministry of righteousness. I have white, I have synonymous. The ministry of condemnation is the ministry of death. And the ministry of the Spirit is the ministry of righteousness. He says here, the ministry of death, written in great stones, that makes it very clear, that's the Old Covenant, was glorious. So that the children of Israel could not look steadily to the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit be more glorious? And it says here, if the ministry of condemnation had glory, how can something that's condemnation have glory, but it did? Okay? How can something that's the ministry of death have glory, but it did? It was glorious. But it was passing away. But the ministry of the Spirit is more glorious, and the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. So this makes sense from glory to glory. It's in context. Same, same chapter, same context. Okay? This is kind of the conclusion of what he just said. So hopefully that makes sense for you. Okay? <coughs> also, too, from what's Peter here. We're, we're born again, not a corrupt to Adam. But of incorruptible seed to the word of God, which lives and abides forever. We're born again. Okay. We are the righteousness of God in heaven. does You know this word become? That we might become. It means, if you stay down the creek, it means to be born of. That we might be born of the righteousness of God. That, because we are born again of incorruptible, incorruptible seed, which is the righteousness of God. You know, the beauty of this message that we started out this whole series saying is the foundation of his throne is foundational. And I can give you at least 500 scriptures talking about everything I'm talking about right now. There's so many scriptures in the New Testament and also in the Old Testament to explain everything. Because the, the Old Testament testifies everything that we have now in the New Testament. It gives testimony to it. We already covered that in our teaching. Okay, so let's move on. Let's go back to here. And we all with an unveiled face beholding as the mirror of the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The preceding verse says "Now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. Why? Because the ministry of the Spirit, okay, let's go back real quick. The ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of righteousness, sets you free. Because when you come to Christ, it removes the veil. It unravels the mystery of the gospel. It's not the ministry of death, it sets you free. It sets you free. It doesn't set you free to sin. We put on a new man who's created according to righteousness and holiness, not to sin, but to be free from sin. We were already in bondage and sin. And we were already under the bondwoman, our tutor, the law, the bondwoman, Hagar. We've already covered this. Okay? The law is the bondwoman. It's, it's bondage. Okay? It's our tutor. It, can, it gave us the, the knowledge of sin. Why? Because the law is going to tell you, if you've sinned, it's called the ministry of condemnation and death. Why? Because it can only condemn, it cannot, the law does not have any grace. The law does not have any mercy. The law cannot forgive you. The law can only judge you. The law says you sin, you die. And there's no gray area. There's no mercy. There's no, oh, you only said a little bit? You only said one time? No, you're guilty, you're guilty. Okay? And so, the law doesn't grade on the curve. Okay. The law doesn't have any compassion. The law says, you sin, you die. It's called a ministry condemnation and death. Why? Why is that so? Because the law is also our tutor to tell us that we need a Savior. And the Savior is not the law. The Savior is Jesus. Okay? The Savior is Jesus. The Savior is not yourself. The Savior is not your performance. No, your performance should be the byproduct of you being saved. You've got to get saved first. You've got to get born again. You have to have a whole new, go back to Peter, you have to be born again. You have to have a whole new seed in you. You have to have a whole new nature called Jesus. Your old man is corruptible seed. You need to be born again. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh; whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. You can't change your behavior until you first change your mind and receive Jesus. And you're crucified so long. you crucify the Christ. It's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives in you. And Christ who lives in you will help you not to sin. Now you saying He does it for you. You don't do anything. No. First of all, you're not a puppet. You are the body of Christ. You're part. You're a member of the body of Christ because you're not the, the entire body by yourself. Okay. You um, he can, he, he can't be that. You are a member of the body. He's the head. The body. The head is connected to the body. The moment the head becomes disconnected to the body, you have a dead man. It's called being beheaded. Okay. Christ has not beheaded from his church. Okay, I'm, I'm actually teaching several messages right now. Okay. But you need to be born again. Where Christ is in you, you're not a puppet. You need to yield to the Holy Spirit. But it's not you living righteously and holy, it's Christ in you living righteous and holy. As you yield to Him, as you renew your mind to knowing who you are. In Christ. Christ in you does not have a sin problem, doesn't have an addiction problem, doesn't have a lust problem. There's no corruption in the seed of Christ. The problem is your mind. We are spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit, if we receive Jesus as brand new, born again, it's just like Christ. Our mind is—I mean, our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. It needs to be transformed. It needs to be renewed. <coughs> I already gave you two scriptures on that. Second, quick, second, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter th- uh, twelve, verses one and two: Be transformed by the renewing your mind. And Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-three: We put off the old man. And put on a new man and and, and renewing of the mind. Renewing the spirit of the mind. Okay. So we need to, in our body, spirit, soul, body, in our body. Well, I think we pretty much have an idea what that is. Okay. We usually see it in the mirror every day. Okay. We see it every day. We take a shower, we bathe, we do all that stuff, put on clothes. We understand our body, okay? And one day we will get a new body. See, our spirit is saved. Our, our soul is being saved. And our, we will get a brand new body when Jesus returns. Okay? And so, we are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in the body good way to memorize that. Okay. Your spirit if you have Christ, your spirit is born again. Your mind needs to be renewed. That's what we're talking about right now. Your body will be renewed. But as you renew your mind, you can tell your body, be healed in Jesus' name. <coughs> okay, that's a whole another teaching I don't have time to go into right now. Okay, but we teach that in very deep in very detailed as church. Okay. So let's go forward. Where we at. So, again, let's conclude this segment of our teaching this morning. But all we all with the unveiled face, beholding as a man of the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image of glory to glory, just as by the Spirit. That is, the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that's doing this. We have to yield. We have to see something new. We have to allow the Spirit of God. <coughs> this whole verse starts with removing the veil. How do you remove the veil? Turn to Jesus. Know what you're beholding. Stop looking at the old man. Stop seeing the old man in the mirror. And see the new man who's created according to God and true righteousness and holiness. And it will transform your life. It will transform you from a life of sin It will transform you from all kinds of oppression and depression. It will set you free. And you'll walk as a victor, not a victim. Okay. See, this whole concept of by the Spirit of the Lord, too. By the Spirit of God. Talk about how we are born of a new seed. We have a new nature. We have a new glory. Okay. Um. Okay. We have freedom. Okay, I didn't spend a lot of time with that, but we have freedom. But we also have a by the by the Spirit of the Lord, we have a new sense. Now, ladies, don't get offended talk about sonship. You can you can substitute daughtership if you, if, if you feel like you need to, okay? But talk about sonship being mankind, okay? And so I don't get offended by that. But the scripture, Galatians 3, has confined all under sin. The, what's the scripture? We already talked about this. It's the Old Testament. The law has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. We've covered us in many different ways, many different teachings. If righteousness could have come by the law, there would have been a law by which you could have been, been righteous, but there's not. Why? So that the promise of by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. It's God's grace. It's God's grace that there was not a law by which you have been saved, but by our faith in because it's called a righteous God by faith. But before faith came, this is now, but before faith came, Old Testament, we were kept under guard by the law. Kept for the faith which would afterwards be revealed. It was a mystery before. And we were kept under guard by the law. Okay? Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to what? Christ. Yes, it was the ministry of condemnation. Yes, it was the ministry of death. Yes, it blended our minds and our hearts. But it also was our tutor to bring us to Christ. Because the law couldn't save. The law, in a sense, magnified sin. So you can see that you need Jesus. That we might be justified by faith. You can't be justified by, by the deeds of the law. No flesh can be justified. we covered this. Romans 3.21. Those who think that they can be justified by the law or attempt to be justified by the law, Galatians 5.4, they become estranged from Christ. They fall from grace. We are just by my faith in Jesus. But after faith has come, so we're talking about before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. But after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. And who's the tutor? The law. Okay? Don't get mad at me. This is the Word of God. Okay? That's what it says. It goes on, verse 26. For you are all sons of God, that includes you ladies, okay, through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ, we talked about this at a range last week, about being baptized into Christ. We're not quite done with that topic, so see how far we get today. For as many of you who as we're baptized in Christ, have put on Christ. Where did we hear that before? We'll, we'll, we'll come back to this. Let me just read it through and we'll come back to some things. Have put on Christ. Therefore there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There's a lot here, but let's look at some of this. So, when it says, you're put on Christ. Well, isn't that what we read when we said you put off the old man and you put on the new man? Who's Christ? Okay? So, going back here real quick. where many of you were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. We spent a lot of time talking about baptism yesterday. I mean, last week. If you don't know what I said, you're going to need to watch my video from last week. Okay? I don't have time to teach all that again. But we were emerged into Christ. Just like when we got married, my wife was emerged into my name. We were baptized into the name of Jesus. and we're going to continue to expand on this in a little while. We'll get there. Okay, now we put off the old man, put on the man. But Romans also continues this with Romans 8. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the law. Okay, sorry. Therefore, brethren, we are are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death, we're supposed to put something off. Supposed to circumcise something Supposed to cut it off. Supposed to bury it. You put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons, or children of God. <clears throat> okay? For you did not receive the spirit of bondage. What's bondage? We've already covered this in Galatians 3. It's the bottom of the law. Well, you did not receive the bond spirit of bondage again to fear. First John, we already covered this too. 1 John, chapter four, verse eighteen: For fear brings torment. Those who fear have not been made perfect in love. What's love? Not that you love him, but that he loved you, became the propitiation for your sins. Faith works by love. Okay, we did not receive the spirit of bondage by fear. And there's so many people out there preaching the gospel as a fear message. That's torment. There's no, there's no fear in love. Those who fear have not been made perfect in love. So by you teaching fear, you are making everyone imperfect. It's wrong. It's the bond woman. You're preaching another a brother from a different mother, mother, Ishmael. But you receive the Spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, oh, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are children. So, those of you who think I would wrong by calling it something uh, the sonship, children. Well, we are children of God. Okay, and children of children that we are heirs of God and joint why? Because he's the firstborn of many brethren. <coughs> when we're born again, we have a brand new father. And we have a brand new older brother called Jesus. That's what we're, we're in joint area with him. He's the firstborn of many brethren. We are children of God. He's a son of God, capital S. And we are sons, children of God, lower S. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. I'll getting out of this. There's so much I feel like I cannot remember I'm tying it all together well for you. Okay. But let's recap another passage of scripture we, we discovered earlier in our series, and that's from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge this. What does that mean? This word judge those people off. We come to this conclusion. Okay? You know, when I go outside and the ground's wet, I may judge it's raining. Okay? I might come to the conclusion, it is raining or has rained. (coughs) Okay? If I look outside and I see rain water falling out of the sky, I may judge that I need to wear a jacket and uh, carry an umbrella. I'm just trying to understand the word judge. I come to the conclusion of it. okay. So the love of Christ. What's the love of God? First John four ten. Not that we love Him, but that He loved us and became the propitiation for our sins. That's love. First John says, "This is love, not that you love Him, but that He loved you and became your propitiation." What's propitiation? He became your substitute. He died on the cross so you don't have to. That's why the law is called the ministry of condemnation and death. Again, Jesus fulfilled the law by becoming your death for you. The love of Christ compels us. It's compelling. that we come to the conclusion that if one died for all, then all died. Now do you know what the word all And the Greek means all. Nobody's left out. Nobody's excluded. Did you know that all means you? And all means me? And all means me? And all means you? It goes both ways. Christ, the one, Christ died for all. So, if Christ died for all, and all died, guess what? You died. Wow, that just a, that just warms the cockles of your heart, knowing that you died. And He died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for Him who died for them and rose again. There's so much here, I wish I had time to connect some dots that I've already covered throughout my teachings. God's love, 1 John 4, 9, God's love, I'm going to paraphrase this, but his love was manifested towards us, that we might live our life through him. That's what this is saying. Okay? And we're talking about love right now. Compelling us to do something. Compelling us to come to a conclusion. That we died. See, most people, in uh, religious people, don't understand that we've died. We died so that we may live. It's called being born again. Okay? Therefore, so what he's gonna say is based on what we just read. Because this is true, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to blessed. We're talking about beholding, seeing with the mind. We're focused on, we have removed the veil, so now we can see. And because Christ died for all, that we might live through him, therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have no Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know no longer you got to remember, some of these people were still alive when Jesus lived. They knew him according to the flesh. Okay? Am are I you, are you, are you making sense? But G, we, we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we see Jesus as not just the Son of God, but he also the, was the Son of Man. And he had a fleshly body. Not born of Adam's seed, but he was born of, of the Holy Spirit. But he was still born of a woman. Now he still had flesh. Okay, as the Son of Man. But because Jesus died for all, that we would live our life through Him, we don't regard no nothing flesh, folks. I, what I'm trying to really zero in on, there's so many t- rabbit trails I can go on, but I've, I've, a lot of these rabbit trails I've already covered in the last 13, 14 weeks. This last segment of my teaching is supposed to be the conclusion of what we've covered. Based on everything I've taught you the last 13 to 14 weeks, we need to see through a whole new lens. I don't know where I'm going to come. We need to see through a whole new lens. Not only do we die, but we regard no one according to the flesh. I should regard If you're in Christ, you are not in the flesh, you are in Christ. I'm not in the flesh. I'm in Christ. I died. My old man died. I put off my old man. And the spirit of my mind I put on the new man who's created according to God, the true righteousness. I don't regard anyone according to flesh. This, therefore, is because this is true. And then there's another, therefore. Therefore, because I don't regard anyone according to flesh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. And behold, all things. We need to, I should have highlighted it, behold, because that's the title of the section that we're talking about. We need to behold all things have become new. But some of us still have a veil over our eyes and we're still seeing things from an Old Testament mentality because our minds are blinded, our heart is blinded that we have not beholden that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We're still regarding people in the flesh. We're still regarding that we have not died, that Jesus didn't die for everybody. And we are beholding, we're seeing everything through the wrong lens a veiled lens, and not an unveiled lens. And if the foundation is wrong because righteousness and truth are the foundation, the whole thing is misconstrued. I'm teaching you what I'm teaching you to be established in righteousness, to be established in the love of God, his propitiation for your sins, so that you can see right. And if you can see right, you'll live right. And seeing right is repentance. And if you see right. Repent. You'll live right. Because you'll, you'll be living. In Christ. Not on your own. In the flesh. Because your flesh died. You are a new creation. Born of incorruptible seed. There's so much here. But I took you. Thir- I took 13 weeks to get here. Okay. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. This is a sequel to what He just said in two chapters earlier, called the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of His Spirit. Now He calls it the ministry of reconciliation. <coughs> Excuse me. We're in we're, we're two chapters later, but I still feel we're in the same context. Paul is a long winded preacher like I am. Okay? That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And that messes a lot of religious minds up. What does the word impute mean? I don't know how it happens in your country, so bear with me. But in our country, if you have a credit card, and you charge something to that credit card, that charge is imputed to your account. And in time, you make a payment towards that debt, towards that credit card, that payment is imputed to your account. We all had a debt called sin. And the penalty, the only way you could pay for that sin was to die. But God has reconciled us and the whole world to himself through Jesus, our payment. Jesus became sin. God's not imputing our trespasses to us. Why? He imputed them. <clears throat> Am I saying everybody is saved? No, hold on. We're not done yet. And has committed us the word of reconciliation. Jesus died for the world. What do you mean he died for the world? Well, first of all, he died once and he died for all. Jesus is not going to the cross again. He doesn't need to. It's called the finish work of the cross. Remember, he, let's go back here, He died for all. He died once, and He died for all. Okay? He doesn't need to die again. He's already done it. But, just because He died for us, that's, called, that's another word, way of explaining the word propitiation. He died for us, as our substitute, a.k.a. as our propitiation. And by doing that, we become righteous. But even though he did that, we have to either accept it or reject it. So, if you have a a debt, maybe a mortgage on your house, and you have to make payments every month or every however you make those payments. You are in debt to the bank, wherever you made the loan, the mortgage from, until you pay that thing off. And there's something about the word mortgage and death. Or in that word, because it's until you die, <laughs> or until you get paid off. That, mor- that mortgage needs to be paid. Okay? Now, if someone comes along, your best friend, and he comes and pays your mortgage for you, and gives you the title deed, called Righteousness, it would be silly of you to keep making payments to the bank when someone came and paid it for you and paid it in full. God has already reconciled. What's the word "reconciled" mean? Again, I don't know how you might do your banking in other countries. But here in America, if we have a bank account or a credit card account, we will get a statement every month. It will list all the charges, if it's a credit card, and all the payments, if it's a credit card. If it's a bank statement, it will list all, again, all the charges, all the withdrawals, and all the income deposits. See, the bank, our credit card company, has many accounts, many customers, and every month, because they do good accounting, they reconcile their books, their accounting. And by reconciling their books, they're also reconciling every individual account that they have. And so they do your courtesy by giving you a statement of your ledger within the ledger of ledgers. Because your account is one ledger within all other ledgers. They're called a gender ledger. then that making sense? Okay? It's going to give you a statement about your account with them. They've already reconciled it. But now, you need to reconcile. We are ambassadors of Christ, and so God will put through us. The employer of Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. <coughs> Some people ask, why do we need to reconcile if God's already reconciled? Because God's reconciled his books. You need to reconcile yours. What, and what's the reconciliation? That, what's the reconciliation that God did? He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteous of God. This is God's reconciling accounts. We have sin; we have to die. Jesus died, paid for our sin by dying for us so that we could become righteous. He took the payment and the penalty and he paid it in himself reconciling us back to God. But some of us, God has done this for us, but we rejected what He did for us. Therefore, we haven't reconciled to God. See, if you, if you get a bank statement from the bank and you don't reconcile it, you might have more money than you think you have, but you won't spend it because you don't know you have it. Or, you'll try to spend money, and when you try to spend money, and you try to slide that card through the machine, or now you can just zap it, you're going to get an error message that says decline. Like if you thought you had money you don't have. Or let's go back to the credit card or mortgage scenario. And if you don't take care of your bills, if you don't take reconciling your account, you might get some letters from the credit c- taking you to court suing you or your house or your property might foreclose and you become homeless. It's important that the bank reconciles but it's important that you reconcile your own books so you know where you are. God has already reconciled our sin through Jesus on the cross and he said it is finished. Paid in full. But if we don't reconcile in our own hearts that he's reconciled us to him by rejecting the gospel, by rejecting his sacrifice, then there's, there's, no, there's no sacrifice that remains, the Bible says. If you reject his sacrifice, there's no sacrifice that remains. He's not going to the cross again, and there's no other Savior. You can't save yourself, and no one else can save you, only Jesus. But we need to receive His reconciliation that we are the righteousness of God in Him. I hope this has been helpful. I ran out of time this morning. I can teach this to you. I've been trying to teach this to you in the last 13-14 weeks. But the Holy Spirit needs to reveal it to you like He's revealed it to me. Because He's the ultimate teacher. Okay? We're gonna come back one more time next week and I should be able to conclude this message, this series next week on being establishing righteousness in this in this last segment called Behold. But we're gonna come next week and we're gonna put the put the capstone on this and finish this up. But don't get sad because almost everything we teach in this church is built on this foundation. And so this this message will keep popping his head in this, this this church in everything that we teach here. So, amen. All right? So with that in mind, I just want to bless you. Have a good week, and we will see you soon. God bless.